Hi, I'm Madonna. I'm your worst nightmare. To rule the world. Why don't you show them what you do, honey? You've never had more fun with anyone else. People, people, we gotta move on to the next song. Right? Somewhere I'm sweet between. and I'm a bitch, you know what I mean? And that's always been the way it is. I'm, I'm a human being. <laughs> I'm waiting. You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise, Veronica Ciccone. Hey, everybody, it's Steph, and welcome to the show. Hey, guys, it's Tony, and welcome back. Yes, it feels like just yesterday we were podcasting about Madonna's birthday. (laughs) And Tony, have you recovered from her birthday week? Well, I did not go to Jamaica. Uh, I, I, you know... I wasn't invited again, or um, I think my invitation got lost in the mail. But, you know, I'm just uh, barreling through. You know, it's uh, not the greatest summer of my existence. But, you know, let's let's try and make it work. The Levitating Remix is uh, keeping me alive. And, um, yeah, just doing the best that I can with the tools that I got, you know? Nice. Yeah, you got to keep it together, Tony. Yeah. yeah. In the uh, family. So today on the show... Poet, Wait, how are you doing? Poet Ben, well, hold on. We'll, we'll introduce our guest and then we'll get to it. It's fine. Oh, uh, today on the show, poet Ben Klein is joining us. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Hi, Ben. Hello. Welcome. How, ben, how is your pandemic treating you? Uh, it's made me hate my job, but I, <laughs> I write more than ever to get through. So, well, yin and yang. <laughs> Your art, it comes from deep and dark experiences. We all know that. And uh, that's so it's, this is a good time. It's inspiring you. Uh, It is. It is. You know, I ran and I ran and it cannot contain me. So here we are. Yes, there there you go. Yeah, look, we encourage as many Madonna puns as possible on the show. So get ready. Feel free to drop those whenever you'd like. Um, Well, and I also know, Ben, um, if you, want to see Ben's uh, other passion, which is fitness, you can go to his Instagram, Ben the author uh, on Instagram. And because uh, Ben's kind of, you don't have a lot of clothes. Oh my God. I mean, Madonna is a constant inspiration in my life. So, I mean, I'm literally sitting here now on a pair of Calvins and that's it. So. Hey, perfect. That's, you know, Tony's probably in his usual jockstrap attire. That's <sighs> it. <laughs> Well, before we get into some questions, let's uh, give our listeners a proper introduction to Ben Klein. (laughs) A poet, storyteller, and lifelong Madonna fan, Ben Klein lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, a great state, by the way, drinking all the espresso and gin that is available. He took up yoga before Madonna made it cool and will fight you over the artistic merit of American life. His chapbook, Sagittarius A, uh... Asterisk will be published fall 2020 by Sibling Library Press, and he is a poetry reader for the Adroit Journal and Flypaper Lit. His work will appear and has appeared in Cortland Review, Diagram, Hobart, Juked, Vagabond City, A&U Magazine, and many other publications. Read more at benkleinonline.wordpress.com. Klein is spelled K-L-I-N-E. Welcome again. Wow, that thank was really, thank you. very eloquent, Tony. You did a good well, job. You know, I've been taking elocution lessons uh, in case we were wondering. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Well, also, so, uh, also <clears throat> having to sing along to Dua Lipa and Madonna in the 
levitating remix. You got to get those words down quick. Right. And also with liberal doses of WAP thrown in, you know. Mm. Oh, so and, can we talk about that for just a second? Can I know we, that. Please? I know yeah. that. I know this is not a, a rap. Especially since we have a poet on the line. Yeah, I know yeah. this is not a, a rap podcast, but I, what are your thoughts on that? I just, I, I was a little like, what is going on here? So I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that for me, that song examples how poetry can be at any place within culture and society, right? Like mm-hmm. there will be people who will turn their nose up at that and be like, what? I mean, hello ben shapiro that was hilarious yeah it's like go have a seat please yeah but for <laughs> me i listen to that and i'm like holy crap like total poetry in motion and mm-hmm. utilizing language in a way that's both broad and specific cultural you know as identifiers but then everybody gets i, I just i thought it was brilliant i love yeah. it what I love the most about it is that I just I had this thought the first time I heard it that when Megan and Cardi were like teenagers or even younger than that, they were listening to like Lil Kim and Foxy Brown and Missy. And this is what happened. You know, I mean, these girls grew up and they're like, we're doing this, too. And I love that. It's like, you know, the next generation. See, I grew up listening to Salt and Peppa, and I feel like <laughs> so did I. I feel like the evolution from Salt and Peppa's Push It to WAP has or yeah. Stoop yeah. or What a Man, right? Or yeah, like it let's just talk seemed, about sex. It seemed yeah. a little bit more radio friendly back when I was young, yeah. and I guess right. why this is maybe just a little all too shocking for me. I'm like, how are th- <laughs> uh, you know, like. Stefan was know. clutching his pearls. I was. Well, but, I was like, did you see the video? I, I was oh, like, the yeah. video oh was my god! Like effort. Just, I love effort. See, I was I was thriving during you know Lil Cam and alumni. So I'm 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 here for this. I love it. Love oh, it. I love it too. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I haven't made road, up my mind. Oh, the road that Madonna started. Without Madonna, there would have never be a song called Wet Ass Pussy, period. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, for, so, those of you, uh, for those of you just joining us on today's podcast, this is a Not Suitable for Work podcast. <laughs> we've, only, we've, only just, care. we've only just mm-hmm. begun, and uh, Ben's in a pair of Calvins talking about a woman's vagina. All right. So, Ben, uh, you know, so while we're on the uh, topic of spitting rhymes. I thought you were going to say while we were on the topic of top vagina. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to try to steer away from that. I mean, <laughs> I can talk about anything. Ask yeah. me. I've lived an exciting life. So we'll get there. So, all right. So, so let's start there. So what led you to become a poet? What was what was what, you know, triggered you to like just start putting words down on paper? And when you read them, you're like, wow, this is poetry. So I grew up in the middle of nowhere in the eight, late 70s through the mid 80s. Like I grew up on a farm in the middle of Appalachia. So, you know, didn't have even when MTV was big, we never had cable. We had like two and a half channels and that was it. So I had one pop radio station and magazines and just out of necessity to have something to do because I always had like a creative spirit. I used to make my own comic books and all this sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. in my teenage years, I kind of turned to uh, writing and I started doing fiction and poetry and I read a lot and that led me to be like, I think I can do this. Like there's a certain thing that's going on here that, um, I think I can do. And 
So I just started doing it. It was something to do when it's seven o'clock in the middle of winter and you're mm-hmm. so far away from anyone. You have nothing else mm-hmm. to do. And I don't want to sit in the living room with my family because, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we, wait, what goes exactly? So I'm going to be the like poetry for dummies portion of the podcast. So uh-huh. what exactly goes into being a poet? You know, I always assume it's just coming up with a little story that rhymes. But it's so, it's so much more than that. It is. And it's actually, f- fiction is about the story. Poetry is about the feeling. And so I always say, you can have narratives in poetry, obviously, because you have a speaker who's like your quote-unquote protagonist, you know, comparative to what you would have in fiction. But really in poetry, it's about the feeling. What do you want the reader to experience through what you reveal to them in the in the poem right and so the reason that there are there's lination and breaks and all these things is because it's all about the music of the words and the language together and i always say the space between the words Mm -hmm. so fiction is all about the sum of the words but poetry is really about the space between and within the words and how it all interacts together so there's sort I always say there's sort of three things that come together um in being a poet. And the first is reading. You have to read a lot of poetry so that you know what's out there and you're cognizant of the world in which you exist. Just like if you're a musician, you know, Madonna couldn't have existed if she never listened to Debbie Harry or right. Chrissy Hind or Grace Jones, right? Or Elvis or Exactly. Know. Or, you know, her main inspiration early on in her career, Michael Jackson. So you have to read, you have to know the environment in which you're going to operate. And then the second one is intent. Like, what is your intent? Like, what is it that you think you have to say to the world as a poet? What's the feeling that, that in some way is unique to you that you want to convey to people? And then the third is craft and practice. Um, I am not an MFA poet. A lot of poets these days that have a claim and go through the industry, go through like masters of fine arts programs, yada, which is great. Cause it's great for networking like that. But obviously all through human history, some of our greatest poets were completely self-taught and not trained. And so it was all about, they read, they had intent and they practiced and they engaged in craft. So, and really that craft plus intent is what turns you into a poet if you're successful at it. So, well, can I also just add on real quick? Not only do you have beautiful poetry, but you also speak really well. You're making me sound like I'm a, <laughs> you, I, you make it sound like I'm the hick from the farm because I'm, I say, yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I feel like, yeah, I, yeah, like you're making me sound really bad. Yens don't have the twang to be from the farm. So let's keep it real. <laughs> it's almost like you sound like Madonna in that section of drown world tour when she, Oh my God, stop the silly song. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of that. I wasn't either. Oh, you know, Madonna always does silly things. I know. And I love her silly, but I didn't like that one. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) I saw that tour in Detroit, actually. But anyway, that's for the DVD. Uh, So I was there. Okay. Sidebar. I was there the (laughs) night before it was live on HBO. Uh, But what a lot of people don't know is the night before the show started almost an hour and a half late, not because she was late. 
what, who was the director of that? Hamish Hamilton? Yeah. They came over the intercoms and they said, hey, we're filming for HBO tomorrow night. We're going to film you guys for the next hour for the crowd reactions. Oh so my God. literally for an hour, there were these giant cameras that came down from the ceiling at the Palace of Auburn Hills. And they would play a song and the intercom would be like, okay, everybody jump and do the wave and react. And so for like an hour, we're like screaming and yelling and people were putting up their signs and like that. And we did that for almost an hour. And I made it into the Drown World DVD, but you have to like freeze frame it for like a second. And I think it's during Don't Tell Me. And I could see myself like making like this crazy face and jumping up and down on stage right up in the up in the uh, the seats. But that was so weird that we spent like an hour recording film reactions that they then inserted into the live HBO broadcast the mm. next night. And then those ended. Some of them ended up being in the uh, the DVD. Ben, I feel manipulated and violated. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even really remember there being that many audience reaction shots in the Drown World tour. They've definitely added far more in the most recent DVDs. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, the it's, last it's, two yeah, are basically the, the audience. Two, it's like, can we please stop seeing fans? Yeah. It's well. Because <laughs> yeah, like, I like to be able to see what she's doing. That's I know that's the last one the, two. One of the things ugh. I love about the way they filmed the Drown World tour, especially the live HBO version, is you actually get to see her perform. Mm-hmm. There's right. You get to see the choreography. Right. You get to but, see her. But yeah. you guys, you guys, like, for example, though, there are instances uh, like in the Sticky and Sweet DVD, the audience in Argentina is so beautiful that you have to show them. Oh, you know, right, like, right. <laughs> well, and they're always in tears, too. You know? Yes. So, and I rewatched um truth or dare yesterday to get ready for this just to be in the spirit of the goddess and there are (laughs) crowd reaction shots in the concert scenes in truth or dare but then when you watch the blonde ambition laser disc version on youtube sorry who didn't didn't have the laser disc i mean well i mean i I had the laser disc who the hell has a laser disc player anymore but there are very few crowd scenes in that edition of it so it's interesting Mm -hmm. that they're in truth or dare and i was kind of cognizant of that yesterday while i was watching it also this morning i rewatched. i'm going to tell you a secret and it was the same thing lots of uh crowd scenes so listen even the more casual madonna fan has an eagle eye when it comes to this kind of thing oh yeah so while we're on the subject why don't you just go ahead and tell us about your madonna journey uh, yes. When did you become a Madonna fan? So I always was. Co- I mean, I'm old. I'm 46. Oh, and stop so, it! That's not and, old. And so that's, that's the new 60. But yeah. I. But but you know that makes me a fortunate Gen Xer who was cognizant of pop culture when she came out. Like, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed like Holiday and Lucky Star and Borderline. But I'll be honest, I kind of checked out for like a virgin. Like this was not. The songs were fun, but, like, I was not, like, a super fan then. I was more into, like, R&B and other stuff. And In other um, words, you were at the roller rink, right? No, I was on the farm <laughs> working, but... Um, <laughs> did, they have, did they have a roller rink where you grew up? They, they did. I went once. 
Uh, See, I would well, think that you would be really good at the roller rink. I don't know why. I well, so we roller skated in our basement. We oh, had a big underground you. concrete basement at our house on the farm, and so we used to. I literally would put on my little Walkman and play like Prince and like that, and like roller rink. But um, my Madur- Madonna journey, and I like songs in between, like during her international superstar period in the eighties, like "Open mm-hmm. Your Heart." Like, how can you? Oh my God, it's a masterpiece. Um, what do they they call that now? Her empire period, <laughs> right? The empire period. Yes, that's very very they true. Do? Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Why? Why do they is that's what she's that's when she was building her empire? That's when, no, that's when she was reigning. That was yeah, uh she like was, a prayer, blood yeah. ambition. Oh, because I was gonna say I always think of Madonna's like height of fame, what the pinnacle was blonde ambition time. So that was her apex of her fame, but the apex of her commercial success and her international broad appeal. Well, right. Starts, the tr- I mean the, yeah, the true yeah. blue album, that was huge. That was enormous. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, uh, isn't that her best selling yeah, after Immaculate so. Collection? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I my copy of Encyclopedia Madonica is too far away to reach right now. I should have brought it closer before we started. Okay, um, we have yeah. the answers anyway. So. Yeah, so <laughs> for me, things got serious with Like a Prayer. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about that song, but it it just like ripped me apart when I heard it. I was like, cause I was a, I, at that point I was basically, I was 14. I was becoming, I was totally becoming a lapsing Catholic. Like I was just like, cause I was raised really strict Roman Catholic out in the middle of nowhere. And so I, and because she was finally embracing that, I think I paid attention to it. And I remember the, the Pepsi commercial and I'm just thinking, Oh my God. And, um, then hearing the song on the radio that week, and I was just so blown away by the song. And I was extra interested because I loved Prince, and I knew that he was the one playing the guitar on that. That da, 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 yeah, like yeah. that's Prince, and um, you know, then the video came out, and I didn't have MTV, but I had secretly taped Friday night videos on NBC, and they played it, and I was just like, when I watched it, I was just like, oh my god, I just had like a, some sort of religious experience. <laughs> and then that Saturday, out of the blue, my mom, I'm literally sitting there listening, I had recorded Like a Prayer, the song, on a cassette, and was listening to it on my little boombox on my headphones at my desk in my bedroom and my mom comes in the room and she taps me on the shoulder and she goes your uncle john david is gay and he has aids and she walked out of the room oh Oh my god (laughs) i mean and i knew he was gay i mean come on like i wasn't stupid i used to hang out with him and his friends when i was like six and seven and they were 16 and 17 and i would listen to all the things they would talk about and i was like okay, I get what they doing. And I like, I understand mm-hmm. <laughs> At that moment. It just like from then on. That's kind of like it, a it, mic drop moment. Your mom just walks in, says she, that. And then yeah, just turns around well, and walks out. yeah. It was a very traumatic experience for her that I don't think she's ever dealt with. Yeah. Um, but for me as a teenage and I was already sexually active <laughs> and sort of like a risk taker. And, uh, you know, she comes in here and tells me that. And it was just like this mind explosion. And yeah. So, 
and I mean, I used to have to sneak like my Prince records and I did have Madonna cassettes, but all that stuff I had to sneak into the house and hide them because if my mom found them, she would like set them on fire and beat the hell out of me. Ben, um, did you did you get in trouble for the Love Sexy album? Because that got ripped up at my house. Oh, so <laughs> no. Because I had so I had a cousins who were like allowed to buy whatever music they wanted because they had older siblings. So they would just make me like blank cassette copies oh, of everything. And then you wrote like Tiffany or Debbie Gibson on them. <laughs> Ew, no. Amy Grant. So that, yeah, so that way people wouldn't know. Yeah. You know? No, they were just blank and, and I would just put like radio mix, you know. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I managed to never get any of those. Oh yeah, the Love Sexy album. I mean, Sign of the Times. Oh my God. Uh-huh. I just oh my God. But yeah, so then the next time I saw my uncle was the actually the first time that I ever handled a like a prayer cassette. And when he was like, open it close to your face, and I opened it and that patchouli oh, and perfume. I love that. And like when I smell that smell now, like that's my all I whole, think of is like a prayer. Me too. I but when wearing- I smell it, my whole body trembles and it takes me immediately back to that moment in the driveway of our house, like out in the middle of nowhere. My uncle's there, you know, he's been diagnosed, his partner is there, he's also diagnosed, and it just yeah, it's so crazy. And so the arc of that then goes, I just become, so he was a big Madonna fan. He saw Blonde Ambition in D.C. and tried to get me to come to D.C. on the train to go with him. And my mother forbade it. It was going to be my 16th birthday present. And my mom was like, under no circumstances. <laughs> and... um you know, and then Immaculate Collection came out, and he bought me the the uh, the DVD or the VHS of the <laughs> video collection version of it, and uh, I managed to get a hold of. I have an original first run VHS Justify My Love video single. Oh. <laughs> do you have anything to play it on? I do not. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I, I, I have VHS tapes and I have nothing to play them on. I just, I have it because like every once in a while I just get it out and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I have like this little piece of history and... And so, well, you know... Plus the merchandising on it is amazing. It's so simple. And oh, it's, just... It yeah. kind of reminds me of like a little porno tape. It well, kind of is, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, that random Marlon Brando shot that they did at the end of the photo shoot when she was literally getting ready to go to some party. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I love that, that photo shoot. Her lips oh. all plump and her, like, yeah. Like, it's Madonna Tanama Finland. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's like, it's like this weird, like, fuck me, Madonna. Like, I would it's love this... to know what party, what part, Tony, what party was that that she was going to? I, I know, I, I know the story as well, but, um, I, don't recall it was some kind of party. art thing was it a cindy sherman oh you're right you're absolutely oh, right that makes yeah. that she, was makes going, she, she was going to a cindy sherman uh like photo ex- photo, like a gallery opening and yeah he's yeah going with Stephen mizell correct i believe so I think even so. though or no it was, that, was uh, john baptiste mondino mondino shot the justify my love mm-hmm. stuff yeah Anyway, we digress. So, so by okay, so, now, so you're you're 16. You're being forbade from seeing Madonna shows. You're having to hide Madonna music yeah. in covert covers, and that Watching I think VHS tapes that probably private. even like 
made it even more special to be a Madonna fan. You know, like once you're being told you can't do something, you just want to do it even more. Right, absolutely. Well, also, I just super connected with the Like a Prayer album. I mean, talk about, okay, talk about some songs that are like, poetry like till death yeah. do us part promise mm-hmm. to try keep it together like oh, oh father's always a standout for me yeah don't forget like, about spanish eyes come on mm, uh, uh, yeah but, sure okay <laughs> oh my god pretty song she's i mean yeah i just don't like the instrumentation on it i would like her to do that live and like mm-hmm. do some better instrument i don't know what pat leonard was thinking on that i was like oh this is so like maudlin and heavy and it really needed to be more sparse like promise to try which was so Mm -hmm. effective um anyway and so (laughs) you know fast forward to like um yeah so my uncle was on some of the early trials of the protease inhibitor cocktails that then finally got approved in like 95 96 so he had this period where he was doing better and his long-term partner had passed away and then he had a new person, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah. And so he, then he rapidly declined and he passed away the end of June of 1992. He was 28. Wow. So, and he would be 56 now. So he's been dead as long as he was alive. And the day that he passed was the day that this used to be my playground came out. And I remember after we found out he had passed, I literally was just like, oh my God, I have to be by myself. Like, I can't deal with this. I'm like 18 and like, this is is the gay world, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's not like I'm in a big city where I'm around other gay people and queer people. I'm like, um, I'm in the middle of nowhere with no way of having any sense of community to deal with this in the way that I probably needed to at that time. And then I take my little portable radio and I go on a walk and I turn it on and what fucking song comes on? Uh, this used to be my playground. And I'm just like, I just sat in the woods and wept. I was uh, like, oh my God. And that sealed the deal. Like, mm-hmm. And then I was just like, you know, screw it i'm gonna i'm gonna live my life however i want and i'm not gonna be afraid and you know then of course a league of their own came out and so it was like this retro nostalgia and that song and it was like a nice little like sort of end cap to these traumatic teenage years of dealing with all that and figuring out i mean what was going on with my uncle and how my family was relating to that and then how it related to me internally and how to sort of process all that and still be myself and not let it push me into some crazy situation where I became one of those people that got married and started having kids. And then at 35, I was like, well, screw this. So, (laughs) um, and then, yeah, erotica and the sex book. Like I was all in, I was like, Oh my (laughs) God, It (laughs) it just like opened all these doors personally and sexually and creatively like i was going to college i was majoring in technical writing i was taking creative writing classes like i was known for being like the freak in creative writing classes because i would just write these like triple x rated (laughs) sex poems and (laughs) you were writing letters to johnny (laughs) i mean you know talking about my well and just talking about my experiences being like a lot lizard and like you know doing shit at the rest stop and out in the woods and uh 
you know, oh, my are these, straight, are these the poems that are in your now on the out of print book. Uh, of yeah, print yeah, book. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get that back into print. Actually, there is one, there's one copy left on Amazon, and I think it's almost $1,000 it to purchase. Is, it is. I only own one copy of it myself. I've sold all of my copies and were giving them away to friends over the years. But you do like a online digital download for like, so, even, if it, even if it was like five bucks, just like make it available, like a PDF download? So I have the PDF, but I ha- haven't upgraded my author website to like sort of facilitate the commercial element of it and plus i always said if i was gonna make that book available again i would want to do a second edition because i would say like half the poems in that book i read them and i'm like embarrassed i'm like oh this is so bad like i would want to go in and rewrite them and actually make the book better but still be filthy just filthy as all get out i mean there's everything in there (laughs) from Okay, I, I'm just going to say, let's, let's be careful. What we, I know we have already veered into super triple X adult territory with this podcast. Please, let's, I'm yeah. bluffing, you guys. Let's I'm totally we can bluffing. offline conversation, yeah. the, the terms yeah. and situations that you cover, but let's we'll, just, we'll just maybe, yeah, put we'll it in terms of, maybe put it in terms of Madonna's sex book. You know, like uh, page, page worse 33, than that, so, page 55. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> we we get the gist. Yeah. Um, it, so speak, it's, speaking yeah. of, just, just to plug, um, your upcoming book, Sagittarius A, Asterix, is coming out this fall, correct? Yes. That, it's it, You actually, it's Uh-oh. Sagittarius A star. No, it's fine. Star. Okay. It's, so that's the official name of the uh, radio source black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Mm-hmm. So our entire galaxy circulate, and it's it's within Sagittarius A, which is a part of which is sort of borders the constellations of Sagittarius and Scorpio, um, and it's an electromagnetic space. I mean, presumed it's the black hole around which the Milky Way rotates, but we still haven't been able to like visually confirm it. They they will shortly because there's already some theoretical research that. Sagittarius A star is actually uh, the exit end of a wormhole. You know, there's all these theories. Oh, is that, that how the aliens are visiting us? Well, uh, they probably have technology that's far more advanced. But, you know, the whole theory that black holes actually bend space time and, like, you know, wormholes. If you've ever seen like various contact. sci-fi f- contact, I mean, contact like, with Jodie Foster is like my right. wormhole Bible. You know, like I'm yeah, just like, yep, this is yeah. how time travel happens. Yeah, it's time and space travel, and so the whole and so there is some early research going on because Sagittarius A star puts out a lot of plasma and matter that we're just now starting to discover. Whereas a lot of black, I mean, all black holes because of gravitational forces intake, crush and destroy matter. But Sagittarius A star actually outputs a lot of stuff. So there's some early theories and research going on that it could be the exit end of a wormhole that enters from some other part of the universe. So Okay, yes. so wait, so is Sagittarius A star your book about galactic happenings or so, sex in space? Um, so an it, exit it, plan from this galaxy? It, well, so I was just kind of inspired by the whole idea that of outer space and time travel and gravity and astrophysics is like a weird sort of side hobby of mine. And, um, 
I started writing a lot of poems that sort of intertwine these theories and these ideas and how these larger concepts have play in our daily lives and our interactions with people. And I start, sort of started with the idea memory is the one true form of time travel. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the poems became engaging memory as a form of time travel. So things that you remember or your loss of memory as you age. So it's a lot of poems about the speakers in the poems are definitely dealing with like aging parents and um, what memory means in those relationships and how they affect the present Hmm. past and future. You know, then there's also the whole concept of simultaneous time that all time is happening at the same time. And that what happened to you in the quote unquote past is actually happening right now with your present. It's just, because we're tr- our brains are trained to understand time because of gravity and light out as it reacts to the planet and the sun. But actually, all these things are happening at once. Uh, mm. Yeah, so a lot of, like, theoretical stuff happening there. But I try to distill it into the poetry, and it's there's sort of, like, an arc for, like, the parents and the speaker. And then the speaker also has this sort of, like, love story that's happening with, like, this breakup that's happening. And the speaker is then traveling into deep space to escape Earth and kind of try to engage Sagittarius A-star and see if they can transition it and mm. go into some new form of existence. Um, so there's a lot of poem. There's actually like three poems in it that sort of talk about what it might be like to experience sin- the gravity and a singularity and like what you might. I-, I was so inspired by the movie Interstellar. I was just going to say this. Yeah. I'm going to say is the speaker in your book, Matthew McConaughey. Cause- no, because I don't like that stubby armed weirdo. But <laughs> um, even though he was in contact and he was good in that, he was yeah, good he in a lot of space movies, right? He does. And he's apparently really interested in that stuff. But I just like the movie and how I felt like it got a lot of the science at the time relatively correct. I mean, the what we know about these topics since that movie came out has like quadrupled. Like it's mm. insane. Yeah. Well, so then um, you, speaking of space, you must really enjoy Madonna's bedtime story video. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was actually, I, 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 Oh my God, that video is so trippy. And every time I watch it, I pick up something new. I mean, Mark Romanek, just, mm-hmm. he's a God, a, a visionary. And I love that. She just kind of, turned herself over to the vision, but still kept like all her little touchstones in that video. It was so wonderful. Yeah. Well, also what you were just describing thematically, you know, takes me back to impressive instant and let Mm -hmm. me know what you think about those lyrics and uh, what are some of your favorite Madonna lyrics and why? So yeah. Impressive instant definitely was on the Sagittarius A star playlist. Like I totally, <laughs> every project I have has a playlist. There's always several Madonna songs on it. Um, yeah, I mean, I love how those lyrics are, you know, like the cosmic love story stuff, but also like the singy, 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 like a bird on a wing. I mean, just t- typical hanky panky goofiness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and the, what what other songs were on that playlist to stick with? Oh, definitely Get Together. Good. And, um, 
Oh God, hold on. I'm like looking through my list. I had literally had to make a list about all these songs and like the lyrics. Um, what else was on there? Oh my God. Impressive instant get together. Oh, what's the song? Um, intervention from American life. Oh mm. yeah. Oh yep. Was absolutely part of that playlist. Yeah. So well, she definitely factors into everything somehow. What so. are you, so what are your thoughts on Madonna's lyrics? Do, do, does her lyrical poetry hold up? Like, is it, is it, do you feel it's complex enough or is it sometimes too simple or both? So for me as a writer, when I think about Madonna as a writer, I see t- she does two things, which is so funny that she was doing Rebel Heart and she wanted it to be the two sides of like her songwriting and her her energies. Because I was like, oh, my God, that's so her. It's so weird that she's not a Gemini and she's a Leo. Right. <laughs> but, so on the one hand, she has a lot of her lyrics that are like slogans and anthemic, Right. Like the whole song is built around like a singular phrase, like express yourself. Like that Mm -hmm, song is like anthemic and it's a slogan. But then she has the songs that are more, that are more lyrical stream of conscious poetry. My favorite example being Mer Girl, Mm -hmm. which I personally, that and Secret Garden, I just, and Waiting from Erotica are just like, holy crap. It's usually the last song, right? A lot of times she does yeah. like falling free, absolutely beautiful, just easy ride. Yeah, uh, yeah, that one's okay. <laughs> um, I for me, um, mother, father, and ecstatic process are much better on American Life than Easy Ride, but yeah, like, um, oh god, what's the one that I really like on confessions, lyrically speaking? I mean, Isaac is so interesting with what she did with the lyrics there. Um, what else? I actually made like a whole list till death do us part. I mentioned that earlier. Actually rescue me is great. Like somebody could turn that into slam poetry, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, and sanctuary from bedtime stories. That's another one that I just think is fantastic lyrics. So yeah. Well, yeah. of course that was her trying to match up with a Bjork for a bedtime story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but sanctuary. But also, sanctuary has Walt Whitman. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was going to say. So, in a lot of, if you cast your mind back to the handful of interviews she actually did in the bedtime stories era. So, she had the big interview with Norman Mailer in GQ. She did the big I interview remember. in details with those freaky Bettina rhymes. Oh, I love those photos. Those mm-hmm. photos. Love, it's just like, that's how I want to look. If I wake up on a Sunday after a big night out, right? Exactly and how I want to look. So Smoke, she ta- smoky eye, lots of bling, <laughs> right? Yeah. So she talked about in that interview. I remember she talked about how much, like Whitman and Ann Sexton mm-hmm. and Sylvia Plath and Carson Colors and other various writers had influenced her thinking on bedtime stories, and that's a good example of an album that has both the anthemic sloganish stuff like secret and I'd rather be your lover and human nature and forbidden love. But then it has like the storyteller elements with take a bow and love tried mm-hmm. to welcome me. And then it's got like the cool sort of lyrical poetic musicality of sanctuary and some of the other songs. So yeah. 
that's actually one of my favorite Madonna CDs is Bedtime Stories. Yeah, yeah that's too. a no skip for me. You know, like yeah. you can just sort of listen to that all the way through. Yeah, I don't skip a. Yeah, I don't skip any songs on Bedtime Stories. Well, so, so speaking of obviously back Madonna catalog uh, albums, you mentioned that you'll fight people over the artistic merit of American Life. Are there really people who are arguing over that with you? Yeah, especially now. I know. mean, so who's now, coming up, who's coming up to you being like that album's trash? So now <laughs> it's kind of gotten. It's interesting once it hit like 2018 when it had its 15 year anniversary and a lot of the music websites like Idolator and Billboard like sort of did retrospective um, reviews where they like praised it to the high heavens. But I've been fighting for the merit of American Lies since it came out. Even mm-hmm. Madonna rapping? Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk about that, right? Because we all know the story that she turned in the record. It was ca- wasn't it supposed to be called Hollywood at the time? And Warner Brothers was like, "Blah, there's not a single on this. Give us a single." And she got pissed and went and recorded American Life and was like, "There's your single." And then the whole thing became American Life, and they shot that photo shoot and all that stuff. I love that video. I mean, the rap is so ridiculous and. I never take it seriously. I'm like, she literally is like flinging her latte in the face of the Warner brothers executives. Like right. she literally is so pissed off at what's what they're trying to do. Cause you know, that was also when radio was changing and clear channel was buying up everything. And we started seeing all these corporate playlists where right, people you know, telling us what we should be listening to. Right. Right. Like, I mean, that was the day, that was kind of the time period when you stopped being able to call the radio station and be like, oh my God, I want you to play like da 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 da. And they, 15 minutes later, they would play it. Like everything became controlled and corporate. And, um, yeah, they never played American Life on radio. No, not at all. And I mean, that song has actually aged really well musically. Yeah, and then her lyrics are really interesting just about this whole notion of both personal identity and then what that means, uh, you know, with American identity. I mean, people will debate the rap. I personally, I think the rap is meant to be like a big middle finger to the record industry, but... It's cheeky. Yeah, yeah. but the rest of the record, just great madonna doing her version of singer songwriter with all those screwy like early electro with mere way and yeah i was here for it mm-hmm. I, I mean, nobody knows me holy oh, crap that song so and getting to see that so at reinvention I saw, tour i so i <laughs> i won a contest with mtv in 2004 what? i was i was in the stage right pit at the opening night of madison square garden nice so the night that's in the reinvention tour and i'm going to tell you a secret that opening night of Madison Square Garden. I mm-hmm. was there. We actually got interviewed by the by Jonas and the documentary crew, but it didn't make the movie. But we were interviewed. Um, all of us who were in the pit, they did like little interviews with us. And that, oh my God, we had to show up at Madison Square Garden at like 6 p.m. And I forget her name. She's in, I'm going to tell you a secret, very busty lady with big bouffant black hair. And there's several scenes where you see her getting in and out. I cannot remember her name. 
she met like a group of, I think it was like 25 of us and we got split into the two pits. But like, we got there at six. They gave us our VIP things. We had to turn over our cell phones. We walked all through. We went backstage and met the dancers and Tony. There's a scene and I'm going to tell you a secret with the big white shag carpet where... Mm -hmm. The, one of the dancers, like we went into that room and we got to meet all of them and it was so freaking cool. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. So I've never known anyone who's actually been in that little fan pit. Yeah. What was it like to watch the show from that vantage point? Was it fun or because oh, she's honey. Not, she's not facing you a lot of the oh, time? Oh, but but she is like, she touched <laughs> me twice. Her hair hit my face. I didn't wash my face for a week. Um, but then when she was on the conveyor belt in front of us, like, let me tell you watching her do nobody knows me from, from that vantage point and seeing like her dancing and, and da 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 da. I mean, she was totally lip syncing that. Let me be clear. There was no, Oh, Wow, come on. Yeah, you know, she's she's moving too much. Yeah, so we could hear, like, we were close enough. You could hear her live vocals going into her mic and then hear them on. I mean, because we could barely hear the actual speakers because we were behind most of them. But, like, you could hear her singing, and she totally sings, I would say, 95% of that show live. But she was totally lip-syncing. No, I mean, there might have been a few parts where she was singing and it was vocodered, but, like, most of that, she was just miming it. Yes, but however, the dancing, however I, yeah. in Madonna's defense, I will say, or any performer's defense, for that matter, I will say I would much prefer to have them do a full-out dance number and make right. it look amazing and not sing than half heart the dance and half heart the singing you know like i'd rather just have it be either stand still with a guitar and sing frozen or mm-hmm. you know like yes. go balls to the wall with nobody knows me and just lip sync the way yeah i mean it was a performance piece i for me it wasn't necessarily like oh a song in the concert right like it was a performance moment and it was weird because that was the main one where we all had to turn around and face the crowd and that night so like there's Rosie O'Donnell, there's Britney Spears, there's Gwyneth Paltrow. Over on the other side of the stage was Leonardo DiCaprio. She called out Michael Moore that night. He was there because, you know, Fahrenheit, 9-11 yeah. had just come out and everybody like cheered for him. Like that was a weird night too because she like interrupted the show a lot to like talk. And, and I've seen her seven times and that's the most i've ever seen her like interrupt the the totally staged and everything is planned to just ad lib um was that night but oh my god seeing her that close and just i mean don't tell me from that show like getting to see that from like two feet away from her like she literally is doing all that choreo like right there and that was actually one of the times where she slung her hair because i was the tallest i'm six three so i was the tallest person in the pit and so she swung her hair and it like wrapped around my head and then she yanked herself free to keep going and everyone was like I mean, all the other people in the pit, they were like, oh, my God. I'm like, I know. I've just been touched by God. Like, <laughs> there was that was so, oh, my God. that. And I took my friend Heather, who's like my little, we've been like Madonna fans together for almost 20 years now. And we've seen several of the shows together. And she went with me. 
And we stayed in like this crappy New York City hotel. But oh my God, we had the best time. That show was amazing. So Ben, did you get to see Madame X and what? I Tell did. So that. I saw Madame X at BAM. Oh, maybe, um, one of, maybe one of the many nights we were there. I yeah. was there October the 7th, that last Saturday show. Oh, I was at that one. That was the one where I was in the very last row in oh, the very last where Tony's seat. traumatic. Okay, Tony hold had a up. Very traumatic where were you at? Because I was in the last row all the way over on the right. So, like, if you're looking at the stage to uh-huh. your right, I was all the way over. No, he, Tony <laughs> was, like, in the ceiling. I was on the other side, and um, some the person who was sitting next to me took my my phone bag with them. So I was there oh till god, th- I was there till three in the morning, screaming at people, you know, saying oh. heads will roll until I get wow. my phone. You know? But you know what? Uh, I you know I was kind of upset that night, but now that I look back, we got to see some really amazing visuals that I wouldn't have been able to see that way from the front rows yeah i i want to see that tour on i want to see the dvd i i i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i was a little underwhelmed by madame x that's because you weren't up close the, if you were well, if you were super close it's amazing is it i oh mean God, i've yeah. i've seen other shows i saw reinvention from the rafters at the united center in chicago and it was still killer I, well, I, that's the thing. The stadium shows that she was doing were very different than a theater show. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, if you've ever seen Broadway from the cheap seats in the rafters, broad, it's, you don't feel connected to the show. Oh, because absolutely. It's just so small. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I felt the same thing when I saw, I saw Madame X one time from the mezzanine, like second, mm-hmm. second row in the mezzanine. And it was great to be able to have that vantage point because I got to see things that I didn't get to see when Tony and I were fourth row. And oh, wow. Like, fourth row scene Madame X it's like she's right in front of you you know like you're, you're yeah I was like looking at her kneecaps her shoes you know her <laughs> yes, elbow Tony was shopping <laughs> yeah well the other my other thing about Madame X is I noticed very quickly I'm like oh she's injured mm. yeah like and I kind of had heard because my boyfriend had a friend who was one of, who worked with one of the costume designers and we had kind of heard through the grapevine that she was injured and apparently there had been talks of like canceling the whole tour and like using the insurance to deal with it and like that. But she didn't want to do it. I, I very quickly was like, Oh, she's injured her knee or some, as somebody who's had two knee surgeries, I was like, Oh, she, yeah. And it was very I mean, obvious she's, she's to a me. dancer, you know, I'm yeah. surprised that stuff, yeah. you know, eventually dancers bodies break down. But you have to, yeah, you have to get that stuff fixed. Like, part of me wishes she'd have just been like, okay, I'm going to go have surgery, and we're going to reschedule. Of course, if she would have rescheduled it for six months later, (laughs) it wouldn't have happened thanks to COVID. Right. um, So, what did you think of Madame X, the album, uh, you know, lyrically, for example? Oh, so, again, it's it's the same thing, right? Like she has the songs that are very anthemic and they're written in slogans. And then there are some that are like these beautiful, like I rise dark ballet. Um, I, I, I like extreme occident, the whole East West Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. Like, uh, so again, it's the same thing. Like there are songs that have like beautiful lyrical poetry to them, like mm-hmm. looking for mercy. I, I freaking find 
I Don't Search, I Find to be like one of the coolest songs she's ever written because it sort of has this poetic, like part of me is like, oh my God, can I like rewrite that and turn it into like a villanelle? Like I just think it would be like the coolest villanelle ever. Um, What's a a villanelle? So a villanelle is like a 19 line old French, I think it's French, that you write the first tercet, which is three line stanza, and then the first and the third lines are the final line of all the preceding stanzas until the the last one where the you repeat them as a couplet at the end and the quatrain at the end. Like it's a very it's a fairly strict form, but there's so much fun to write. And they're almost mm-hmm. like songwriting because they sort of they can you can kind of utilize that uh verse chorus you know verse chorus bridge chorus kind of structures okay so. see, just for a moment everyone listening to the podcast right now don't <laughs> ever shame us for saying you don't <laughs> learn anything on this show because <laughs> we're taking you to poetry school today okay yeah like and it's it's interesting because when you listen when madonna does her little poems because that was part of the reason i rewatched. i'm going to tell you a secret and Truth or Dare, because she does that little poem for Melissa's birthday in Truth oh, or Dare. Yeah. And then she has, so she writes in a very uh, Emily Dickinson sort of iambic pentameter, super yeah. strict with rhyme scheme. But, and those things then have built into some of these other forms that came out of, um, well, a lot of them were popularized by European writers in you know, hundreds of years ago, but they actually have their origins in Middle Eastern and other places. And then, you know, the white people just stole them. So, yeah. I but, mean, it's, no, no, know. but I, I know what you're saying about her writing, though, because uh, Stefan and I were fortunate enough to see some of her early writing, and, you know, albeit they were letters that she was writing to her boyfriend. But, right. They, they, you know, everything was kind of written like in a, you know, like, like, as you said, like an iambic pentameter, it was almost like a little, um, you know, roses are red, violets are blue kind of, you know, poems that she would write. But it, I see that evolution through her writing, you know, and not only in, you know, her professional writing, but also in like little notes she writes to people that we've seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you read the text parts of the sex book, some of it's like absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. and. And definitely there's a sort of erudition there that she has as somebody who is untrained, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she learned all of that through absorption and osmosis. I mean, she's one of the best ciphers that we've seen in ter- you know, in terms of like, yeah. she intakes culture and art and somehow, I mean, a lot of people call it appropriation now, but. Madonna was always sort of like a reinterpretation and an homage. I'm not saying she hasn't appropriated things in more recent times, but she was always good to like, it was inspired by, right? right. And not just, oh, I'm going to do this because it's cool. No, no, she's definitely, she has a a wide uh, berth of um, influences. Like, for example, I don't know if you saw the photos that she posted on 
her Twitter slash Instagram, and it was all of her notebooks, um, you oh, know, yeah. journals, and then right yeah. in the middle, there's an Anne Sexton poetry book. Yep, around, yep. You know, oh, so. I saw that the other day when she was doing all those posts about <laughs> uh-huh. whatever project she's working on. Like, oh, speaking of, don't, don't, I'm, so, I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, somebody mentioned to me the other day that it, it could be possible that if it is a biopic, maybe she will play herself the entire movie and they'll use that technology that was just in that Netflix movie with um, yeah. the gangster movie with who, what's no. his, Al Pacino. No, the Irishman. They age them not. down to like no, young and no. old. I'm like, that's no. how they're going to do it. Madonna's no. going to play no. herself. No. It's a coup. You know, you know what they might as well just, if they're going to use that kind of technology, they might as well just use the handheld mirrors from the bedtime story video. <laughs> right, right. right. So it's going to look exactly the same. I'm, I'm not even convinced it's for a movie. I still think it could be she's putting together like something for Broadway. I, I would like all of the above. Broadway, I, Netflix, I would like to Netflix think, documentary, and uh, a biopic. Yeah, I would like to think it's a 10-part uh, documentary, Ken Burns style, with Madonna narrating. Well, there could be that, too, because, you know, I mean, she had all that stuff from, like, the early 80s, but then they were talking about costumes for Blonde Ambition. I'm like, okay, the scope of this project mm-hmm. is massive. How are you going to put this all together? And, you know, with the rumors that she's going back to Warner Brothers, potentially, giving her access to a lot of things that she's she's had to pay extra money for to use them in the last decade, you know, it. I don't, yeah, the scope... We we'll shall see. see. We'll she, you know see. how she loves to keep things a secret. Well, and also, like, will anything ever come of it? Right. Like, if, right. Diablo Co- if Diablo Cody's working on it, I have a feeling that that project yeah. will get greenlit. I Listen, hope you so. guys. I thought that we were talking about Ben Klein, the author. So um, I mean, but we can. T- but we're but we're talking about Madonna too. I know. I mean, no. Come on, come I'm, on. I'm trying to like shoehorn in. Um, your your poetry. I would love to hear something of yours. If if oh if, yay, if you'd yes. like to. Yes. Can you read us? Do you have something Madonna appropriate? Yes, please share I, something. I, I do, but you know, I I want to say because we had we sort of touched on this earlier about the Madame X and reinvention. I also was Golden Triangle at the MDNA tour. As that was, was I. A, as was I. Yeah, that was like a wild experience, also because. <laughs> This is gonna sound terrible. I got I had already bought tickets for that show. And then I tweeted, this was back in the days when Twitter wasn't what Twitter is now. Yeah. I literally tweeted Guy O'Siri's Twitter account. And then like a week later, I got an email from Live Nation upgrading me to the code. That's, that's, that's how I got it in Philadelphia. Oh my god, are you I, serious? I did the same thing. My my friend Jennifer and I, we had bought like five hundred dollar tickets and yeah. we were amazing seats. But then we got the email from uh guy series team saying you're in the golden triangle and i was just like it was too late for us to try to sell them so I was oh like, wow okay. so no, i guess we paid I, we paid 500 to be in the golden triangle basically oh no i sold my tickets on the street outside <laughs> of the show in atlanta right before we had to check in to get into the golden triangle that was a very different experience than reinvention because half the people in the golden triangle were drunk oh my god they were so inco- drunk yeah it was incoherent before the show even started we had four people pass out in our golden triangle and have to be carted out uh, yeah they weren't i mean they Luckily, they weren't allowing any beverages in that area. But yeah, I was being pushed up against some 
rather drunk, obnoxious people the entire yeah, time. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. But then I was able to get like super close like numerous times because half of the golden triangle was like totally wasted and like laying on the ground. Oh like, my god, so ridiculous. Well, the show didn't start until almost eleven. And so, she and people had started drinking. Starts. Yeah, and people had started drinking at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. So they were sounds toast. Like, like they like were in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I had a blast. I loved it. I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. So yeah, that was a great yeah. show. Yeah. Okay. So no, yes, it really so, was poem, poem, poem. Okay, so I did. I wrote a poem specifically for this oh, and what i what i wrote oh, is a world cent- premiere we love a world yes. premiere so oh. this is a cento and a cento is traditionally a poem that is written using lines from other poems and so there and there are certain poets that are really popular with poets to make centos like adrian rich mm. like for some reason a lot of people like to make centos out of her poetry I, I think because it's always so politically charged so i literally have created a cento out of madonna song lyrics nice wow. okay yeah. here all right l- listeners listen up this is your very special madonna poem just yes. for you okay <laughs> <clears throat> Wait, let me take a sip of my gin. Hold on. Gin? It's like <laughs> nine in the morning. That's, yeah, you should be drinking tea. Yeah, no, I'm having a gin martini. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this is called Waiting for a Drowned World, I Find. If you have to ask for love, wet and a mess, are you just being kind? Accustomed to this kind of hell, more than once or twice, I'm not myself. All the things I say sound like stupid things I said before. And it was nice to change my mind, to say goodbye. There's no one in the crowd to remind me what they said couldn't be all wrong. Shake hands with our fate. Part with the handsome cost that cannot contain me or the man that I cannot keep. Remind me what they said. Tell me what your enemies taught you. It's all an illusion, the satin sheets. The big strong hand who runs, settled for the thrill. It wasn't yours in the first place. The face of you, the silence of beautiful stranger I used to know so well. Cut me down the middle. Remind me who is the master. I'll start to show what they said couldn't leave me wanting more. A correction without a second thought. Finally, enough love. Oh my God, that's so good. That's so fun. I love the, so it I love that it holds up as its mm-hmm. own piece of work, but you can't not listen to that and be like, oh, there's a Madonna lyric. Oh, I know. No. I mean, you're all they're all no. Madonna lyrics. They're like, literally, literally, it is all that was all Madonna lyrics. Some like there's are not, much more recognizable than others. But what's so yeah. cool about it is that you're listening to it and you're like kind of a wash in familiarity, but it's all brand new. I love it. Yeah, it's still its own poem. Listen, yeah. I ran this past my poetry beta group to make sure that I wasn't <laughs> embarrassing myself. But if you go no. through it, okay, let's see what songs are in here. Waiting. Secret Garden, Love Song, Voices, Waiting, Get Together, Get Together, All the Skin. Oh my God, one of my favorite. That is one of her most poetic mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. Skin from Ray of Light. Yeah. Uh, take a bow. Yeah, take a bow. Deeper and deeper. What's Shake Hands with Our Fate from? I don't search. I don't I find. search. I find. I don't search. I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um. 
uh, Murder Girl and Deeper and Deeper Again, Love Song, Get Together, Express Yourself, Drown World. Where's this used to be my playground? I'm shocked that didn't make it in there. I, I, it didn't make it. There were several. I wanted some Rescue Me lyrics in here, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't make it fit. Because they had to all flow together and actually like work, right? You can't just like toss it in for good measure. Yeah, no, yeah. No, but Ben, I love it because it, it kind of has us looking at these lyrics in a different light. And, and it's, you know, it's almost like a, a remix in our minds of her lyrics i love it it is it's it's definitely a remix so yeah and that and that it's funny that you say that because actually to take it then swing back around to my chat book sagittarius a star like mm-hmm. a lot of that is taking these sort of astrophysics concepts that are like super broad and people are familiar with them but maybe don't know like the actual science behind them and i wanted to remix them yeah and put them in poems that were accessible because one of the things because some of the poems have been published in journals like that. I mean, one of them is written in computer code. Like, mm. it's literally written, it's a poem written in, like, C++ code. Like, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> For um, all those C++ fans out there. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but, but it's, but it's and, it, and, it, and it deals with the whole concept of simultaneous time, but it's accessible. Like, the mm-hmm. people that helped me put it together, like, I had a couple poet friends who, like, read it, and they were like, they're like, I actually learned stuff because in the process of like reading these poems for you, I like started Googling stuff and it was like, you make these concepts accessible. And I'm like, well, that's what I really wanted to do. So yeah, I approached the Cinto the same way. I'm like, how can I take her lyrics and pull them into a poem that works as a poem on its own about sort of the, you know, really, I mean, really, though, it's the concept of of I don't search, I find finally yeah. enough love that sort of struggle with ourselves and with others. So, yeah. Yeah, well hey, done. Hey, S- Stefan, I think I think it might be time for my favorite part of the podcast. Oh, Ooh, my know. favorite part of the podcast. You too. know it is. All right. So if you're a fan of the podcast and you check in with us on a time to time basis, you will know the lightning round is a quick round of questions where we just ask you off the top of your head wherever you're at in your madonna journey right now so favorite madonna song waiting favorite madonna video off the top of your head oh god (laughs) probably probably human nature oh good one uh favorite madonna look can be from tours album eras photo shoots wherever I have always been in love with the opening look from Reinvention and that Christian Lacroix corset. Mm, long hair, blonde, and, and all that. Yeah. But I like dark-haired Madonna, too. Like, oh, I yeah. totally stand the May Mortobito look, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I mean, all the way Well, May. it's not just a name, it's an attitude, you know? Exactly. <laughs> it's not just a name, it's an attitude. <laughs> um, favorite Madonna tour? Ooh, I mean, you've had great experiences at all of those. I have, and I'm going to say reinvention, Madison Square Garden, June the 16th of 2004. <laughs> like, that was just <laughs> such a magical night. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's the reinvention was a great tour in general. I just love yeah. to be able to hear her sing all those old hits. Oh, so. and her vocals were like on point. At oh, yeah. This, yeah. Like, wow. 
Uh, well, Ben, I think we could keep talking for ages and ages and ages about Madonna oh and whatnot. But we, um, yeah, unless we we have to let our listeners go live their lives. That's that's true. <laughs> that's true. Ben, I mean, thank you so much. It's been great meeting you. You're not only smart, but you're handsome. It's actually really confusing, but you know, we <laughs> yes. look forward to your you know to reading your book of poetry. And, yeah, tell um, us where can we where can we pre-order Sagittarius A Star? So. It's actually on Amazon now, but I I say let's support small publishers. So if you yes. go directly to the publisher's website, and that's Sibling Rivalry Press, and you go into their shop, you'll find me like right at the top. But if you absolutely have to, it's on Amazon, and then it'll it'll actually be in bookstores when we can um, go back to starting <laughs> October sixth. Yes, yeah, street date is October sixth. Um, but pre-orders are available now. So. Will signed copies be available for purchase? So I will probably, I'm having a huge shipment come to my place and I am going to offer signed copies via my website. Right on. And Can they include um, maybe Stop some, like, some Madame X Polaroids? You know, <laughs> I mean, you know like, that's actually a really cool idea. I, I hadn't even so, thought about that. So Bright Light, Bright Light, he's, his new album, he actually was doing that for all the pre-orders that he had on his website. He was doing like individual Polaroids for each person and like autographing them. So I, when I oh, saw that, wow. I was like, I love the Madame X Polaroid idea. So yeah. But yeah, I, that was I cool. Mean, you're shirtless enough on your Instagram. So just <laughs> tons of shirtless Polaroids. Yeah, but that, but that means that pol- people, people can use them as bookmarks. It's brilliant. Hmm, or maybe I should just make bookmarks. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Shirtless too. bookmarks. I mean, hey, I don't care. Yeah. Shirtless. A little nipple to like encourage your page. Count. There you so, go. Absolutely. There you go. Well, so like you just mentioned, you'll be able to find the autographed copies for purchase at benkleinonline.wordpress.com. And don't forget that Klein is spelled K-L-I-N-E. Yeah, it's Americanized. Yeah, and you can also <laughs> find Ben and all of his shirtless goodness at uh, Instagram at Ben the Author. Um, yeah, he just like Madonna tends to take bubble baths and drinks cocktails. So uh, Yeah, pretty much. I like to take baths, even though I barely fit in my bathtub. But I just... <laughs> well, I ha- six, I, if you're 6'3", that bathtub would have to be enormous <laughs> for you to fit in. Okay, and to keep it Madonna-related, when I'm in the bathtub, I literally have a Spotify playlist that is Madonna Bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can share that uh, playlist with oh, us. Oh, yeah, share that with us. Keep up my playlist private, but maybe I can make that one public. But it's yeah. literally like a whole mood for like an hour. It's hilarious. No, I, I love it because I actually do like, you know, similar, uh, you know, candlelit Madonna playlist. So I'd be interested in, to see what you yeah. put in your uh, bathtub one. Yeah. But anyway, Ben, thanks so much for joining us and for uh, teaching the children something about poetry today. Oh, honey, I'm all about teaching the children something <laughs> other than the goddamn internet. So, yes. Even though we're on the internet, stream it many times. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so thanks again for taking the time. Uh, also, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MLBC Podcast and MLBCpodcast.com is our website. You can find us anywhere that podcasts are heard and we will talk to you guys next time. Yes. Oh my Peace God. Out. Thank you guys so much. This was so much fun. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you for coming. It was great having you on. See you next time. See Bye you guys. guys.